Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Establishing Shots. We are here in the Browning Cinema at the DeBartolo Performing Arts Center at the University of Notre Dame. My name is Ted Barron. I'm the executive director here at the center, and we are back for another month to talk about what's happening at the cinema. Um, joining me, per usual, my wonderful colleague, Ricky Herbst. And I, and I think I just said wonderful because it's on our script. <laughs> or at least it's on my script. I'll take it. But you'll. But it's I, better but than, it, but it was genuine. It could be crazy rich colleague. That's right. My deep red colleague. Uh, Actually, that kind of fits. <laughs> my deep red colleague, Richard, Richard, Richard aka Ricky, Comrade Herbst. Comrade Herbst. Ricky Herbst, the cinema program director. Hello, Ricky. Hi, Ted. Um, so this is a this is well, it's not a short month in terms of days of the month. Uh, there are 31 days in December, half September. Uh, but there are, a, but it is a short month here at the Browning Cinema because we like to give people a little bit of time to uh, spend time with family over the holidays. Uh, so we don't have as many films uh, uh, planned, but we make up for uh, the lack of quantity with a depth of quality. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do we got? Uh, well, we uh, we start the month, and we talked about these a little bit uh, because they uh, they straddle. Oh, right, with November, with November and December. Yeah. Yep, yep. So our our avid listeners will be like, "Oh, snooze! I've heard this." <laughs> but we'll go back. But to you it real can't. Quick. You can never talk about Crazy Rich Asians too much. Mm-mm. It is the it is the sensation of the year. It's all the buzz. <laughs> the highest grossing romantic comedy since uh, my big fat Greek wedding. Wow, that's a that's a stat. <laughs> There's a lot of this is a film that has a lot of stats about it. I love that when when you get um, box office reports on on Monday morning, and then they come up with like some. This is the number one right. you know uh, uh, sequel about dinosaurs that's ever been right. made. <laughs> this is the first time someone batting fifth in the lineup who's ever bunted went. Okay, great. It's always weirder when they're like since 1943. It's like, <laughs> right, exactly. If you just said this is the first, I'd I'd appreciate it some way more. But uh, but yeah, and that's that's a sign that you've hit some form of zeitgeist, right? When when they roll the stats out, or that they just that's the marketing team is just yeah, on or they it have that nothing week. to say. <laughs> like they're stuck. Like oh, how do we prove that you get to go see this? Uh, but yeah, so we're going to show Crazy Rich Asians, and we're yeah. doing this in conjunction with uh, Taryn Chun in the FTT department, as well as the Liu Institute and a host of other people. And it's this big collective effort to have a discussion about mm-hmm. what works in the film, what doesn't work in the film, what's at play with representation, how is this a, a cash grab, how does it buy into capitalism, how does it not... So there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of things that can be pulled out of it and have fruitful discussion. So we're going to screen it, talk about it. I will say, I will say, in, in terms of the uh, the box office impact, um, that it did it did break through to the uh, to the to middle school date nights. Uh, from my personal experience <laughs> of overseeing middle schoolers in my personal life, um, that that's why they I, actually I, went on date. This is a movie that they could go on dates to. Well, here's another stat. <laughs> I made the joke. Um, I was talking about how uh, the last big Hollywood picture that had an all. Uh, Asian American or Asian cast was the Joy Luck Club. Is it been that long? Yeah. Oh wow. 
And uh, I was making jokes that the Joy Luck Club was my favorite movie to go with my friends with. As a kid. Exactly. <laughs> so that was yours. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I have one from that. I mean, what did we go see at that point? I don't know. Unfaithfully Yours uh, with Dudley Moore. Oh and gosh. Do you remember that one? Yeah. That's <laughs> funny. It came up in another podcast, and I thought I went on it. I went on like a a group date. In eighth grade to see that. <laughs> that's but that's what now now it's the eighth graders are going to see Crazy Rich Asians. So yeah, and what um, are they learning? What messages? Are I don't they know, pulling? but the, but we can we can welcome them back on to the Browning Cinema on December first because yeah. we even have a matinee show where parents can drop them off and pick them up. Oh and my gosh, take them to dinner. If this if the Browning turns into junior high date night central, <laughs> <laughs> I think we got a plan. Oh all right. So uh, so we're going to do that. And then the other November, December. Yeah. Uh, Not a junior high date night movie. I don't know. <laughs> I, could see, I could see it being cool. Uh, uh, but we're going to show uh, Dario Argento's Profondo Rosso. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those of you who might be following the fact that Suspiria is being remade. Yeah. It's and, coming out. I mean, it's, it's out in some markets now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess it was remade, will be coming out, mm-hmm. um, and, and might be interested in some of Argento's other films. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deep Red is my favorite of his movies, personally, and is just a really good slasher with a lot of psychoanalytic themes, heavily Freudian, like well, like most slasher films, but this one in particular knows what it's quoting, uh, and... Uh, it's a lot of fun, and so people Good. might want to check that out. Great. Then uh, we, we stick with that theme and go to It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so this is part of the Professor Finca Funder Sunday Family Films. It's a dollar to get in, a dollar mm-hmm. for pop, dollar for popcorn. Yeah. And with the holidays coming about, it's good to... Revisit It's a Wonderful Life. It's good that Finkel Funder is not afraid to address uh, issues like suicide <laughs> in, the, in the family film series. So <laughs> it's going to be a happy time. But um, but this, you know, I, I think, I mean, you'll you'll have you definitely have a lot of families come out for it. Um, it's you know we've we've shown it actually in different contexts over the last. I mean, at least since I've been here, I think it's been shown just about every year. It gets um, trotted out. Yeah, and it's but it's it's consistent, and I think it's it's. It, for me, it holds up. Um, mm-hmm. I st- I, I've used it in classes, and um, uh, it, you know, it, it just still there's still so much to it, uh, both in terms of it being kind of representative of what Hollywood was in that kind of peak era of post-war, uh, of the post-war when every, you know when the attendance was at its highest, and um, Capra doing Capra things, right? Exactly, um, but also you know, kind of being this. Um, at a point of you know sort of American optimism after the war, you've got this this much darker view of of society or, or you know cautionary view of of where society is going. Mm-hmm. So it works. And it has Northwest Iowa's own Donna Reed. Oh, is she from Northwest Iowa? I didn't know that. Okay. Uh, Denison, technically, yeah, yeah, okay. we'll put her in Northwest Iowa. Yeah, it might be more Central West, but we're gonna call her Northwest Iowa. She's in our quadrant for sure. No, Gloria Graham though. She's not from. She's not from. I don't know where she's from originally. I always assume Southern, but but that's because she plays a lot of Southern characters. I think of her as me. That might be. Yeah, I think that's role specific. Yeah. Although that accent, that accent's heavy when she's a Southern too, <laughs> so it might be put upon. Yeah. Uh, then also on that same day, we're going to be showing Women of 1915. I saw this trailer last night. It's 
it's long. <laughs> it's, a, but it's, long a, it's a very long. I don't know how long it is. But uh, well, this is a project <laughs> with the Armenian Student Association. Oh, good. Okay. Here at Notre Dame, and we'll be bringing in the director, mm-hmm. and it is a documentary not only about the Armenian genocide, but specifically the women who were impacted uh, by the genocide, how mm-hmm. they fought back, what their story was, because that is, in a story that's often untold, this is a sub-story that is further lost to the shadows in many ways. Is it animated, the full the full film? Or is it because the trailer has a lot of animated footage? No, not, oh, okay. not the entire film. Okay. But uh, but this is a, a chance to talk about uh, genocide. Uh, um, and uh, So we go from suicide in the morning to genocide in the afternoon. So it's, we do. <laughs> it's, it's, a, okay. it's, it's, a, it's a real holiday. Just to get you, I was going to say, this is, we're really <laughs> setting you up for a happy Christmas this year. Uh, but uh, but this is actually I think these are great things to bring out because during these times like during the holidays or whatnot this is often mm-hmm. a time where uh, we have clarity and are with people that we want to have discussions so it's a good time to to bring up issues that are that are pressing and important um, and keep those conversations rolling yeah. Uh, we don't go with much lighter fare, folks. Went <laughs> to the next film. Uh, we have one. Yeah, I think maybe one bright spot leading into Christmas, but that's okay. That's okay. You know what? You, yeah, you need to balance out things. It's this is it's the reality of of life. So Paul Schrader is next. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, so uh, so great news, everybody. Uh, we can announce it publicly. Paul Schrader will be. Uh, coming to the University of Notre Dame. That's a big this deal. is not class of 1996 graduate of Lamar's Gale Catholic Paul Schrader. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is the famed uh, filmmaker. You had a Paul Schrader in your class? Yeah. Wow. Schrader is a common, it's spelled differently. It's, okay. Uh, with an O E, but yeah, it's a German name. Got it. Uh, and uh, no, but this is this is not the state shot put champion. <laughs> 1996 Go Paul. Iowa. <laughs> yeah, good throw. Uh, this is uh, <laughs> the uh, one of the leading figures of the new Hollywood movement. Yes. Who maybe doesn't get as much credit as some of the dudes who are directing, uh, but was giving material, making his own films. Yeah. And so— Also and, writing about films. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, that's I think, I think that's, you know, really—I mean, they, they, you know, this this that generation, that film school generation was always— you know, defined by the fact that they were informed by European art cinema and other influences, but Schrader actually, you know, put pen to paper and articulated, you know, very eloquently his ideas mm-hmm. about those films. And so we're going to do a mini retrospective uh, of Schrader films uh, before the new year mm-hmm. in honor of his visit. And we're going to start with Mishma, A Life in Four Chapters. Uh, a mid-'80s film that he wrote and directed mm-hmm. um, about uh, Yukio Mishima, uh, who I remember reading uh, reading about my first year of college and being blown away that no one had told me that life story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, whoa, that's crazy, the trajectory his life took. Uh, and so Paul Schrader takes some liberty with facts and history and fills things in and dramatizes and breaks uh, Mishima's story into roughly four chapters and tells it at different points, including uh, the coup, mm-hmm. the, the attempted takeover 
of the Japanese government in order to return it to the emperor, uh, which is, I think, 1970 is when yeah, that Yeah, they happens. actually mention it in the trailer. They, they, they remember the year, but I forget. The, they mentioned the specific date. It's like, no, but then came November 3rd or whatever. It's, it's a famous date in uh-huh. Japanese history, which I'm bastardizing. But, uh, yeah, it's the, they, they reference it. It, it was, I was surprised it was 1970. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a beautiful film to look at and uh, a great score yep. by the one and the only uh, DeBarlow Performing Arts Center guest, Philip Glass. Oh, I didn't. I didn't realize this was one of the Glass scores. Okay, so that's a good. That's a nice little lead into Philip Glass, who's coming to visit us in uh, uh, March. Mm-hmm. From there, uh, we are going to be closing out the Learning Beyond the Classics. This is the Truth and Fiction class we've been discussing on the podcast, mm-hmm. and our last film will be "Won't You Be My Neighbor," mm-hmm. which is about the life and times of Fred Rogers, aka Mister Rogers. Yep. Uh, who had uh, a neighborhood on PBS that people watched. Mm-hmm. And this is, again, it was like crazy rich Asians is filling some kind of uh, box office storyline. Won't You Be My Neighbor, I think, is a compliment to that. Yeah. It's the, it's the ooh, documentaries are bigger than ever before this year. Well, this we is favorite. This is this is a front runner to win best documentary this year. Because is it, it just had Well, I, I've seen, they already announced the first batch of awards or nominees for awards, mm-hmm. and it's this, RBG, and the um, the one free solo, free solo. Yeah, those are the three I that are coming. I figure that would be in there. Yeah, but um, man, what, that's real weak. <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, we'll, but I think well, you're going to get people voting sentimentally. I think for for this, yeah, or, or, or maybe for RBG. RBG. Yeah, it could split. So then, and then something like free, you know, who knows? Free solo might be the one that like emerges last year. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. Which kind of came out of left field. What was funny is so I we were watching this trailer in in the Browning Cinema uh, before our screening of uh, the Blues Brothers recently. And my son was sitting next to me, and he he looked over to me. And he said, "Oh, is this the guy that Tom Hanks is doing is playing in in th- that movie that's coming out?" And I said, "Yeah." And I realized that my son, who's thirteen, almost fourteen, uh, had never had never never watched Mister Rogers mm-hmm. because it just was you know he's just too young for it, or not that he's I mean too, too young to have had it on in regular rotation on PBS, or if it was on, he just wasn't interested. It mm-hmm. just wasn't, unlike me, who grew up with it on all the time. Mm. Um, so it's just an interesting generational shift. When Mr. Rogers would come on, I would turn that channel. <laughs> <laughs> I do associate, associate it with being, like, homesick from school, and that you just need to, like, you kind of need to nest while you're watching it. You know what I mean? Cause, <laughs> yeah, because it's depressing and boring. Man, the land of lake make-believe yeah. was disturbing. <laughs> and not, like, in the worst way possible. Well, like, the puppets are very frightening. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, the rosacea on uh, uh, What's-Her-Face. Lady Diane. Lady Elaine. Elaine, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lady Elaine. No, the rosacea was really weird. Um the the gender specificity was yeah odd too well there. and that's in, and in the trailer they highlight like you know all of the ways it dealt with social issues which I don't remember any of that like they show you know, Daniel Tiger saying what was an assassination and it's you know oh wow like this is I mean that is a big deal to yeah. deal with on a kid show but I don't remember any of that kind of social commentary yeah well <laughs> their show the first episodes of Mister Rogers were pretty. Pretty out there and direct. Yeah. I think by the time we were getting it, yeah. it was very much milk toast. Yeah. yeah. So 
whatever. All right. But that's but people it love it. People, you know, they've been when this came out, I forget if it was at Sunday. I think it was at Sundance where it first premiered, and people were just rapturous. They were talking about how this was just such a deep emotional experience. <laughs> we're gonna have a decade of these like fawning over <laughs> <laughs> well, we want stories about good people. That's why yeah. there's a lot of bad people in the world. People need, you know, they need the warm blanket of the, you know, there's some good guys out there. So. Yeah, I guess. I think it just encourages them not to be good people. Yeah. But right. that's in the story for another day. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that. All right. See what's up. Well, let's go to some bad people. <laughs> that Paul bright, Schrader, that's Paul Schrader's not like. interested in good people. So. No. So uh, the next day, we'll be going to Taxi Driver. <laughs> yeah. Uh which Although is, he's not necessarily a bad guy, but he's you know he's a little messed up. He's got some issues he's working <laughs> through. That's for sure. Uh, and this is uh, I, I think people say taxi driver. Like, oh, Robert De Niro or Martin Scorsese, yeah. but yeah. you know the guiding hand on it. A lot of it is Paul Schrader mm-hmm. who wrote the script. And Taxi Driver has the if you look at Schrader's canon, mm-hmm. Taxi Driver and First Reformed are. Very close. The twins. Yeah, yeah. For and, sure. and Scorsese actually has, you know, has given Schrader credit as oh, this. Yeah. You know, he said, you know, when he breaks down his own work, you know, he's Mean Streets is really the personal film for Scorsese. Taxi Driver is Schrader's, and then Raging Bull is De Niro's. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, uh, but Taxi Driver, uh, for those who aren't in the know, is the story of Travis Bickle, who is this. Taxi driver on the grimy streets of New York City mm-hmm. and starts a downward spiral and be has obsessive tendencies, um, enjoys uh, giving you inner monologues, mm-hmm. and you see someone lose it essentially. What I was as I was looking back at you know just some clips from it, what I was remembering is when it came out, it was it was all it was usually talked about in the vein of the sort of post Vietnam films, and specifically that you know he's a Vietnam vet, um, and that that's that he's part of this this group of characters that emerges in the late seventies who are really damaged by the war, um, and so rather than it being, I mean, at this point, I think people talk about it more in relation to um, you know the film school generation and. And being one of those major works of that period, but I, but uh, the dialogue I feel like in the immediate uh, aftermath of the film was more about you know these uh, Travis Bickle as one of these disaffected uh, veterans who were suddenly mm-hmm. becoming these you know these new antiheroes within American and film. disaffected Americans generally. We, we oh talked yeah. about this on our when we talk about blowout. Three, yeah, 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 yeah. That we can't trust our government. We can't trust the structures in society that previously went unquestioned. Right. And once you start to do that, you can you can get unhinged if you don't properly check yourself. Yeah. And more subtle subtle dig on the press because of the way the press covers the events of the film. I mean, it's just it's not as it's not as foregrounded as the political aspect, which um, you know. I remember also they did wasn't this uh, oh this was the film that. Uh, Inspired uh, what's uh, uh, John Hinckley, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So interesting connection to you know life meeting art. Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, we're going to be quiet that Friday as we have a, a private event in the Browning Cinema, but we're back. The retrospective continues mm-hmm. uh, with a Saturday matinee of American Gigolo, <laughs> uh, another film that Paul Schrader not only wrote but directed, mm-hmm. and. Uh, this film is uh, solid neo-noir. Uh, get yourself in 
and a bad jam. Yeah. Was this supposed to be Travolta in this? Stuck with the body. There's, uh, I feel like there's all these films that were either Travolta was going to do it or Richard Gere was going to do it around the same time, and I can't remember if, if the story was. It would have been was, a really good Travolta movie. Yeah. It yeah. would I mean, have it's played like a little more sweetly. Yeah. Than Richard Gere. Yeah. He's a, he's a better, at that point, Travolta's more interesting. Yeah. I Or, I mean, Warren Beatty would have been good, too. Mm-hmm. I, I think those three are somewhat interchangeable. Uh, but it's also a level of, like, sweetness or uh, cynicism mm-hmm. in each. And, well, anyway, but Richard Gere does and does a nice job. Good. Uh, then we'll be showing as the last... In our Paul Schrader series, uh, Raging Bull, mm-hmm. this brings together again Robert De Niro, Martin Scorsese, and Paul Schrader, telling the story of Jake LaMata, mm-hmm. uh, the Raging Bull, a boxer who has a difficult time emoting and connecting with people, and uh, fighting got him up and out of the streets, and fighting is going to keep him there, <laughs> too, uh, and... Arguably one of the, one of the more quotable De Niro performances. I think a lot of the a lot of the De Niro shtick that people do comes from imitating you know the lines from this movie. Yeah, very true. And uh, this is, I would say is again. Well, all of these films are really beautiful in their own way, but this is very painterly too. It's mm-hmm. just... Yeah, I I, I I like Raging Bull. I've gone back to it a few times, and you you know some of these films I look at as I get older a little more from a little more jaded perspective, but it still holds up. Uh, then, uh, uh, Saturday evening after that, mm-hmm. and then the next matinee, we are going to be showing Gremlins, mm-hmm. uh, in keeping with the, the holiday fair. <laughs> which was a summer movie, which, you know, uh, did young, actually you were probably too young. I was when too it, when young. It came out, but I it, saw Gremlins 2 before I saw Gremlins 1. Okay. And I loved Gremlins 2. Gremlins 2 is great. It's arguably one of the best sequels of that that era um but yeah it's a, it was a it was a summer release it came out the same time as ghostbusters oh okay right yeah so. Ni- 1984 which is a big year for film oh yeah uh i love i love a christmas in the summer mm-hmm. <laughs> no that's what i was gonna that. that's why i asked because <laughs> yeah. i know that that's your that's your job yeah, i was i was too young yeah um it's uh, well and speaking of if you don't know the narrative of the film you may want to you may want to do a little uh wikipediaing or googling before you bring uh, any young uh attendees i'll just leave it at that because there's a there's a little bit of a spoiler uh about christmas in the middle of it (laughs) actually this is uh, we're talking media on media i just did the experience michiana podcast or podcast uh, yeah episode tv shoot yeah and i said can i like spoil santa (laughs) sorry listeners spoiling santa for you and, uh, Stop! We have young listeners. Yeah, those, we do. We have a big all those, all those yeah who are trying to plan their their dates to Crazy Rich Asians. Now they're, they're going to be their Christmas is ruined anyway. Um, and uh, were you allowed to or not? Allowed? Well, Rick, the co-host, was yeah. really pushing for it. Yeah, and I was like, well, I'll be, a, I'll be a little oblique about it. Okay, but yeah. So for you to know, all right, I, no, 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 we'll leave it at that. But Don't Gremlins go. pushes. Uh, Gremlins pushes the PG-13 rating into the world. That's right. That's one of the big things is that it was PG rated. And I think partly because of, I don't know if it's specifically that aspect of it that we just talked about, but I think it was also just the generals. I mean, it's a, it's a horror It's movie. a horror film. It's a horror film. It could film. easily be rated R. Yeah. But there's comedic elements. Mm-hmm. A lot, in fact. Yep. Uh, it, just tonally, it's a difficult 
film to pin down. Yeah. And the fact that Gremlins 2 would come after it makes a lot of sense. Because mm-hmm. it's impish. Yeah. Uh, well, and Gremlins 2 plays up the comedy, I think, much more. Because it's, you know, it's aware of, of yeah. what it is at that point. And, yeah. Uh, but still, but well, still works as a horror film. Gremlins 2 is also... Like ninety minutes of screw you. <laughs> really yeah. great that Joe Dante was like, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty. He's an interesting guy. Uh, then uh, much safer holiday fare. Uh, right, we're going. <laughs> we are going to the to the home and hearth, uh, and we're going to be showing Dolly Parton's Christmas of Many Colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, this will be our last film in the Finkelfunder series for the semester. And this is, like it says, Dolly Parton telling a childhood tale of, um, uh, you know, poverty and Christmas and what it's all about, actually. Uh, something you can relate to. I noticed that it stars uh, Ricky Schroeder, uh-huh. who I thought I thought didn't want to be called Ricky anymore. I thought he was I thought he was insistent on being taken seriously. So he, he went by Rick for a while. And but now, but apparently, you know, at this stage, he he realizes that his more people know him as Ricky. You gotta yeah. gotta own your Rickiness. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and he's a Schroeder and not a Schrader. Ah, okay. So he could home, be from Northwest Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> and if he were Rick Schrader, mm-hmm. then he would be <laughs> then 19, would you 1999 <laughs> Iowa State Wrestling Champion from the public school. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> You're really good about remembering these things. I got the, the Schraders and the Schroders All right. lined up in Iowa in the annals of Iowa high school sports. Uh, but yeah, so it's a it's a very warm Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. It's from like two film. years ago, right? It's yeah, really it's, it's fairly recent. I thought yeah. it was I thought it was an old I thought it was one of the ones from the eighties or something, but at that point she's still she's probably too big for NBC movie of the week. She's she's on her nine to five she's rhinestone her, kick. She's on her <laughs> national treasure tour. Uh, and then one final note: uh, we have Verity's La Traviata on December fifteenth, uh, Saturday, and that's with Matt Live. So we're making an exception and having a special showing uh, then. And right. then then we're done. That's, that's it. it. Then for it's Christmas. Happy Christmas. There's all sorts of other great things happening. Here at uh, Performing Arts Center that you can come see, a Glee Club concert. And Messiah. Messiah. Um, symphony, all sorts of good things to get you in the holiday spirit. So that's what we have for December. We will be back in our next episode with another uh, world-class uh, top three selection for you. And uh, until then, we wish you the happiest of holidays. Bye. <laughs>